I'll never forget um, years ago, way too many years ago for me to give you an actual number. I was in high school. And um, in high school, in one of our classes, right before Thanksgiving break, I remember uh, the teacher asking us to go around and talk about what we're thankful for. And one of the um, odd kids, did you ever know an odd kid in high school? If you're not raising your hand, chances are you were that odd kid. But anyway, um, this one odd, strange guy said something so profound. It was very, very short and sweet. And it stuck with me to this day. And they said, what are you thankful for? And he said, he just looked with sincerity in his eyes and he said, for erasers, because of my mistakes. And like, you could hear a pin drop in the room. It was a moment. (laughs) And I thought, man, I am so thankful for an eraser. You know, just hearing somebody else thank God or thank someone causes you to have some thankfulness too, right? Isn't that good? So I was thinking, you know, in the lead up to Thanksgiving, what am I thankful for? I'm thankful for all the things. Thankful, and we could go through the list, and we might go through a little bit of the list. But most recently, um, Amy's cousin had posted online and said, you know, what brings you joy, brought you joy this week, or what are you thankful for? And um, I'm just going to tell you real quick something small but really big to us that we're thankful for. So Amy and I, uh, because of COVID and because of uh, time and because of finances sometimes, can't get all the date nights in that we wish we could. But this last Friday, we got one in, thanks to Michaela, who babysat babysat our children. Um, And we went out on a date. We went to one of our favorite restaurants in Jackson. And if you want to know the name, we'll tell you later because we don't want to sponsor them online or anything. Um, but we went to one of our favorite restaurants and we're sitting there just enjoying the appetizer. The meal comes, we're just enjoying it. And in walks through the door, which we can see the owners of the company that I work for. And so they, they kind of like their eyes sparkle and light up and they smile and wave at us. And we're like, Oh, Hey, how are you? And they come over to the table with some pleasantries and some small talk. And then they get called to go sit down at their table. A few minutes passed and we finish up our meal and the waiter comes up to our table and he says, thanks so much, y'all. Y'all have a great night. And I looked at him with this weird look on my face like, okay, but like you're here for a check, right? Like, where is the check? And they paid for our dinner. Come on. Isn't that something awesome? I was like, I should have got dessert. (laughs) Um, But I am very, very thankful I'm very thankful. And it's those small things, but it made a huge impact. And so when we stop for just a minute to be thankful, you never know what you might really come up with. It might be something small like the eraser, something larger like it was for my wife and I to save some money and have a free meal at a really nice restaurant. That was incredible. So, And I turned from that to thank you, God, for putting people like that in my life. You know, because God is the source of all of those things. So this Thursday is Thanksgiving, and I know it's probably going to look a little different for most of us because of what we've all been through this year with COVID and the different uh, protocols that people are are doing. Um, But we're going to celebrate it nonetheless. And today is my third and last message in this Thanksgiving series. Um, I want to talk to you about the origins of our national day called Thanksgiving. 
something you may not have thought of recently. Maybe you're like me and the last time you heard any of these details, you were in high school. So I'm going to give you a little primer today or a little lesson to help you remember the significance of what we are going to do on Thursday. In fact, it was 399 years ago in the autumn of 1621 that the Plymouth colonists and the Wampanoag Indians shared a harvest feast together. And it's acknowledged today as one of the very first Thanksgiving gatherings or celebrations. More than two centuries passed by and days of Thanksgiving were being celebrated in individual colonies and states. But in 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, President Abraham Lincoln proclaimed a national day of Thanksgiving. Since that moment in his presidency, every American president has authorized or sanctioned and proclaimed a national day of Thanksgiving. And credit goes to a lot of people. If you've heard any stories about Thanksgiving and the origins in America, you know that there are many names that come up. But I think there are two that I wanted to talk briefly about today before we jump into the Bible um, and see some of the information that we need today. Credit goes to a lot of people, but two stand out. And their names are Abraham Lincoln, which you know, and Sarah Josepha Hale, which you probably don't know, but you should. We've always been a religious people. The reason why we came here and originally got here was for freedom of religion, to be able to exercise our religion. And we've always had this keen sense of a blessing of God or of providence. You can read it in all the original documents and and you can understand that the pilgrims certainly felt this when they landed. In fact, the story goes that they were aiming towards much lower on the East Coast and they ended up in a storm that took them up to the coast of Massachusetts where they landed. There's some very interesting things about that, and they believe that it was providence that brought them here and protected them. But it wasn't until the Civil War that a day of Thanksgiving was sanctioned. And it's really interesting that President Abraham Lincoln, in the midst of the bloodiest year of the Civil War here in America, in a time when everybody was divided, there were people in houses that were divided. Does that sound like something we might be... We, we might know a little bit about today. It was an extraordinary thing to do for him to declare a national day of Thanksgiving. And here's how he said, uh, here's what he said to start his speech when he gave it on Thanksgiving. He said, even in the midst of a civil war of unequaled severity and magnitude, as the year draws towards its close, we have been filled with the blessing of fruitful fields and healthful skies. So he was calling the nation. He wasn't standing there as just the the commander-in-chief of the Union troops. He was standing there giving this speech as the president of the entire nation, calling them to unify under this idea of thanksgiving. And he said that there would be a day when America would be united again and experience, as he put it, a large increase in freedom. This is important for us to think about because Thanksgiving has not always been. 
we we just started celebrating it really and the the government the american government with fdr actually got it into law so that it was a national day that was kind of concise on the calendar but sarah josepha hale was an influential person in American history, and you may not know about her, but she is more than any single person the reason that we celebrate Thanksgiving as a national holiday. She started writing letters, and she was the editor of a popular magazine. She wrote letters to presidents, and she even posted fiction about Thanksgiving in her magazine so people could read it. She posted recipes of roasted turkey and pumpkin pie and things like that. And here's something you didn't know. She actually wrote the little ditty, Mary Had a Little Lamb, the same woman. But she wrote to several presidents, and none of them really took her up on this, But then Abraham Lincoln did, and they both understood that there is something significant about expressing gratitude, that it has a tremendous healing effect. And so I want you to understand our nation's oldest tradition, because when we gather this week, we're going to be doing something that's been done over the last 399 years. It will look different. It has in every single generation. But this year, it's important that we take time to celebrate all that God has done. I think it's important for us to not only focus on the blessings of being Americans. And don't get me wrong, this is not a political speech. I just want you to know what country you're seating, sitting in today. That we are the freest country in the world. We have some freedoms that are not afforded to many other places. So I'm very thankful for those things. But not only the blessings of being an American, the blessings of being a Christian. I've got freedom from sin and from bondage. I've got eternity in God's presence guaranteed to me as a believer. I've got salvation. I've got the gift of the Holy Spirit. I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory. I've got peace that flows like a river that cannot be stopped. I've got strength in the midst of a storm. Amen? All because of what God has done for me. So you're welcome for the history lesson this morning, but I want us to go into these two more attitudes or behaviors that kill gratitude. The first one is today, busyness. I want you to just think about that for a moment. It's extremely hard to maintain a thankful heart if you have a busy life. We are truly so busy. And I said this several weeks ago. There are unemployed people that are really busy in this world. And we, we, there's just no shortage of things to do and to get done. I'll never forget years ago in New Jersey. I'll never forget the sight pulling into the grocery store parking lot and seeing a, a mom frazzled getting out of the minivan. And then out popped her little inhabitants. (laughs) And each one of them was wearing a different uniform. There's a karate kid. There's a soccer uniform. There's a kid dressed for dance. And I, I remember that like clearly in my mind thinking to myself, I wonder if that woman has any time for herself. 
She, <laughs> she doesn't. That's the answer. I wondered if she had any time for her husband or for her uh, hobbies, if, if moms even know how to spell the word hobby. Uh, you know, I, I wondered if she had any time for her own mental health with having all the things to do and drop-offs and pickups and go here with all her commitments and things. And I think we are, even if we don't have kids yet, if you're in the audience and you're single or whatever, we are all like that mom getting out of the minivan. We've got plenty of things that are calling us to, to take some of our time. But I think when we're too busy to, to do something like be thankful, we find ourselves getting even more grumpy. When you're busy, you find yourself, uh, not everything is hitting on all cylinders anyway. <clears throat> and really, truly, something is out of sync in your life. And so we need to slow down. This is hard for me. <laughs> I'm preaching what I think you should practice, and I hope I practice too. But we need to slow down and slow our pace. Jesus told Martha this as well. Go with me to Luke chapter 10. Jesus tells Martha that in spite of all her busyness, Mary had chosen the better thing, which was time spent building a relationship with him. In Luke chapter 10, verse 38 and 42, we're going to read this short passage. It says, as they went on their way, Jesus entered into a village and a woman named Martha welcomed her him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Leave that verse on the screen for a moment. Jesus' words echo still today to you and I. One thing is necessary, spending time with him. Sure, there's a lot of things to do and a lot of things to get done. But I love what Jesus says in verse 41. He calls Martha out in a kind and a gentle way. And he says, you're so anxious. You're so twisted up and so worried about all the things. And I am here as the one thing you ought to focus on. Because being busy, a lot of times you realize you don't get everything accomplished that you set out to do. But one thing is certain, and I can guarantee it, and God does too. Any time spent in his presence is never wasted. Amen? So busyness blinds us. It blinds us to those around us. Um, I, I am guilty of this myself. I'm a busy person and I run here and there. I walk fast. My girls complain if they have to shop with me. They're like, daddy, slow down. I'm like buzzing in and out of the place. I'm trying to be productive. Try. But there have been moments in time where I've stopped and realized, oh my goodness, I just shoulder checked that woman into the aisle of the grocery store 
because I'm in such a hurry. Or I, I saw somebody from church recently at Walmart and all I could do was breathe a, hey, I'm in a hurry and run. That's not a good way to live. I'm sorry about that. Please forgive me. That's not a good way to live. We need to settle ourselves down. Maybe we need to plan better. Okay, I'll move on. That was quiet. Maybe we need to live our life with some intentionality and make sure that we limit those things that we're so busy about. Busyness blinds us. It blinds us to the blessings of God in our life that we've already received. If we're so busy, we can't see them. If we're too busy, we might fail or forget to build a relationship with God. But hear Jesus' words in verse 42 of saying that one thing is the necessary thing. God's desire is for you and I to build a relationship with him. He said, this is Dexter paraphrasing Jesus, dinner can wait, cleaning up the yard can wait, doing all the other things can wait. This thing is important. Don't use that as a judgment towards your neighbor for them being home today and not in church. I caught myself this morning thinking, you know, I wish they'd be in church. And then I thought to myself, well, I don't know his name, so I I haven't invited him to church. So how else will he get? So we've got to be careful that in our busyness, we're not even to the point of being so busy that we're doing things that please God And forgetting the one thing that truly does please him, which is build a relationship with him. We need to build a relationship with him. And the antidote for busyness is rest. How many of you would say you're a napper? (laughs) I want to be. How many of you cannot take naps? Like you've tried and just doesn't work really. Okay, there's a couple of you shaking your head. Let's pray for those people today um, because they need the Lord's help, okay? Um, I believe in a good nap. In fact, I was on my way somewhere this week and got there 10 minutes early and I thought, you know what? I'm gonna leave the car cranked and I'm just gonna lean the seat back because I've got nine minutes to catch up. And I did, it was amazing. Uh, and I went through the rest of my day knowing that I had like, a, you know, I wasn't that mean, angry guy anymore. I was rested The antidote for busyness is rest. And this is hard for us to do, but we need to force ourselves to do it. I thought about that phrase, stop and smell the roses. Why should you do that? Just for the sheer perfume? Just for the sheer smell? No, it's that phrase is meant for you to slow your pace and to be thankful. This is... This is important that we think about these things. So take time this week to build your relationship with God. In all the busyness of planning and cleaning the house or travel preparations and all the stuff, take time to build on your relationship with God. You could start a reading plan uh, in your YouVersion Bible app. If you don't have that, you should get it. It's awesome. It's easy. Um, Take 10 to 15 minutes each day this week and just focus all of your prayers on nothing you need but everything that you're thankful for. I'm telling you, it will change your day and it may even change your life. 
So in all of our busyness leading up to Thanksgiving, we've got to remember to keep Jesus at the center. So be Mary this week. Don't be Martha. Be Mary this week. A second attitude that kills gratitude is this one, and I call it entitlement. Now, be careful, because you might just be thinking about, oh yeah, this entitled generation of youngins that's all around, and all they want is a new... Entitlement, we all deal with it and face it. It's when you think that you deserve something, that's what entitlement is. And when you think you deserve something, you are less thankful for it. That's just how it goes. There's a lot of talk about that younger generation being entitled, but entitlement's not unique to them. In fact, I would probably say they use different words, but your parents said it about your generation too. I'm saying it about my kids' generation now. I'm sure of it. I understand what that really means is that the truth is we all deal with it in one way or another. And a good definition of it would be right to possess. So think about that. You have a title or a deed to something. You have the right to possess it. If I go into the convenience store and I buy a bag of chips and a soda and I walk out the door, they don't have a right to that stuff anymore because I gave them something of value that was equal to it and I walked away. It's now my possession. So I don't have to thank them. Hello? I mean, you should, but, you know, hey, thanks for being here and for working. I've done that before, and it freaks people out. Like, thanked a waiter and said, you know, thank you for coming to work today. And they're like, what is going on? Uh, Seriously, we ought to have that understanding. Entitlement means possessing it, so we all deal with it. In reality, we get a lot of good things in life that we don't deserve, I deserved to have to pay for my meal on Friday night. And I got something I didn't deserve. That's pretty incredible when you think about it. And the better side of it is, is you deserve a lot worse that you don't get sometimes. If, you're, if you've ever been a child, which you have been because you're here now, okay, and you got away with something and you didn't get the punishment that you thought you deserved, then you definitely have something to be thankful for. I'm not encouraging sin or trying to get away with things. What I'm saying is you should have gotten a lot worse, but you haven't because of God's grace and because of his work in your life. That thought alone should spark thankfulness in us that we've received so much we haven't earned and we haven't received stuff that we should have that was bad that's amazing when you think about it and how God's grace has authorized this in fact God's word tells us in James chapter 1 verse 17 it says this every good and perfect gift is from above it's from God coming down from the father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow that's due to change God gives us grace and mercy and his love and it's all undeserved somebody ought to amen that It's undeserved. You can't do anything to earn it. My goodness, if we could get a hold of that truth, 
that God in his awesome grace gives gifts to us that are undeserved, we would truly be thankful. The antidote for entitlement is a dirty word called humility. There are two things I heard a preacher say once that he doesn't pray for. And that is patience and humility. (laughs) Okay? Because if you pray for patience, God's going to give you opportunities to grow in that. And if you pray for humility, God may very well bring you very low, very quickly to help you grow in your humility. But the antidote for entitlement is humility. Here's the problem with today's generation. That's so entitled. They're filled with pride and it's unchecked. One of you, two of you agree, you got it. You understand this, okay? So here's what I'm saying. The truth is we are all dealing with this, but we must be humble. That's the only thing that will help uh, eliminate entitlement in our life. Because entitlement is a symptom of pride. Share this message with your friends and family this Thursday, (laughs) okay? No, but seriously, you and I need to understand humble people are happy people. It's, It's the truth. Because I've met some really entitled people that are not grateful, not thankful, because their expectations are always being let down because they deserve something in their mind and they're not receiving it. And that just puts you on a bad path. Nowhere near what God's will for your life is. And Jesus is our example of humility. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 through 11. Read this with me. It says this. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. In other words, if you are in Christ Jesus, you ought to have this mentality. Look at what it says in verse 6 who though he was in the very form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. If you're reading clearly, you understand the word of God is saying, Jesus had no sense of entitlement. He was humble. Verse 7 says, He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Verse 8 says, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and put upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It says that Jesus humbled himself. When we stop and think about the judgment that we truly deserve and the forgiveness that God has given to us through Jesus Christ, his son, it really ought to help us not feel entitled, but feel humble. To experience a love like this should humble us. James chapter 4 verse 6, it says this, that God opposes the proud, 
but he gives grace to the humble. This isn't for you to think about the proud people in your life and be like, yeah, that's right, God, get them. Because you know them. I know some too. But pride is what causes us to look at them instead of ourselves. And in a moment like this, I think to myself, the prayer of my heart should be, God, please give me grace. Please help me to walk in humility. Because I don't want to be opposed by God. Nobody does. (laughs) Nobody in their right mind does. So practice humility this week. And I can promise you that you'll overcome that temptation to entitlement. This week I was talking to one of my employees at my job and discussing Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving plans. And as we were talking, she shared a quote with me that her mom had put on a little letter board in their kitchen. And I wanted to share that quote with you. I had her send me a picture of it when she got home. It's really simple. It says, it's not happy people who are thankful. It is thankful people who are happy. So let me make a suggestion to you. At this year's Thanksgiving celebration around the table, ask everyone to spend a minute thanking God and thanking those around them for what they're grateful for. You may have that tradition or maybe you did when you were a kid, but now you don't so much. Make it happen this year because I think some of us will have some good laughs around tables on Thursday. Some of us may even have tears. That's what usually happens when we gather together with our family. It gets sentimental and really heartfelt because we're thankful for another year. But here's the thing. We should share with others what we're thankful for because when we do, that is truly us giving thanks. And after all, what's the point of Thanksgiving if you don't spend some time thanking God? I promise you'll be happier when you do. Would you stand with me today? I want us to dedicate just the next few moments. The worship team's gonna play one worship song. I want us to dedicate just the next few moments to really be thankful, to thank the Lord for what he's done and be specific. Don't just say thank you for life and breath and a house and a job. Thank him for those that are in your life. Thank him for your your. Uh, spouse. Thank him for your kids. Thank him for your grandchildren. Thank him by name for those that have been a blessing to you. I know I'll be thanking him today as I did on Friday night for the owners of my company who did something that was just a, a kind gesture, but I'll be thanking God for them. Thank him for all of those who are in your life because truly they are more valuable than the things that you have. Amen. Lord, as we go in to celebrate this week and people are traveling, we pray for traveling mercies and, and grace on us as we visit with family and friends. God, I do pray that you would help us to be humble and rested this week, that we would take in those antidotes to busyness and entitlement. And Lord, that today we would spend just these last few moments thanking you for all you've done for who you are to us and who you've given to us. Lord, I thank you in Jesus' name. Let's go ahead and thank him today.